you have a copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to join me. We're going to be in two different places this morning. We're going to start in Luke chapter 11 and then flip back to Matthew chapter 6 where we'll spend the remainder of our time. So we're going to begin in Luke chapter 11 and then we'll journey back over to Matthew chapter 6. And I'm grateful for Jeff sharing that. You've, you've probably noticed now this has become a, a, a sort of a pattern for us. Uh, we call it our Mission Spotlight Sunday. And this is a chance for us to be able to uh, emphasize or put the spotlight, so to speak, on one of our missionaries or missionary families, or, and in today's case, an organization, and uh, spend some time in prayer for them. I hope and, and, and trust that, that it will not just be uh, Jeff's prayer that will emanate from this body towards Brown Corner, or towards uh, Joshua's house this week, but that you would uh, uphold them in your prayers. And uh, what our pattern here is, is on the third Sunday of the month, we take some time to pray for a missionary or an organization. And then the following Thursday, so that would be this Thursday, we gather together right across from the kitchen and just have a prayer time for all of our missionaries and mission organizations, uh, including Marcus and Ariana, and Marcus just shared, and, and many others. And we would love for you to, to join us. It's very informal. Uh, you don't have to be afraid. We're just in a, in a classroom, and it's just we're we're praying through some of the requests that our missionaries have sent us, and we'd love for you to join us. That'll be this Thursday at 6.30 p.m., right across from the kitchen. And on that topic of prayer, that is what we are, are turning to in our study uh, over the next seven weeks as we think about the Lord's Prayer. Um, last uh, March, we spent some time studying the topic of prayer and I've become convinced that God is calling us to become a church that goes deeper and deeper in, in an emphasis and a heart for crying out to God. I see so much, the, so much room to grow in my own heart and life in this, and God has been teaching me so much over the last year, uh, but there's still so much, so, so far to go. And I want us as a church to come together and grow together in our heart for prayer. And the title of today's message is, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And if you, if you found uh, Luke chapter 11, this is the kind of what, what prompts Jesus' teaching on prayer. Now, we get a little bit clearer picture in Matthew chapter 6, and that's why over the next few weeks we'll spend our time there. But Matthew doesn't have the question that precipitates Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And so we want to just start off with this. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, now, why, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. What a request. What a great thing that we can go before God and ask him for. The disciples Let's be honest, the disciples asked and said a lot of stupid things. You know, Peter was a, a famous for putting his foot in his, in his mouth. And they asked questions about who gets to be at Jesus' right hand in, in glory. I mean, they, there were things that, came, that revealed their pride, and there were questions that revealed their immaturity. But this was a great question. Lord, teach us to pray. I want to challenge you to make this one of your prayers. Lord, would you teach me how to pray? We all probably know that we can talk to God, but sometimes we, 
we hit a wall for various reasons or another. Uh, and and it, so for some of us, it comes maybe at the 30-second mark. Others of us, maybe we go further. And, uh, but we all, we all struggle in some way with our prayer life. Maybe it's making time to do it. Maybe it's figuring out what to say when we get before God. And so this request here from the disciples, I want it to be our heartbeat. I want it to be our own prayer that we can say, Lord, teach us to pray. I love that Jesus was not simply um, talking to them about prayer, but he was modeling for them. This question came when they were observing him praying. It says, while he was praying in a certain place, he finished and they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Have you thought recently about why, uh, why prayer is so important? Like, like we get to talk to Almighty God. A guilt trip is not going to motivate us to pray. Um, being, even, even me up here talking about prayer, it's, it's not going to make you pray. It's, it's going to be this deep, settled conviction in your heart that says, I absolutely must have God. I cannot make it without you, Lord. I am completely and utterly dependent upon you. There are times and days when we sense that more acutely, right? When, when the, just the day has just gone awful. The wheels start coming off first thing in the morning. You sleep past your alarm. Or, or your kid decides that his method of waking you up is going to include a, a, a knee drop to the face as you're sleeping there. Like it, All he wanted was a hug, but it was a knee to the chin in the, in the end. And, and from there, your day spirals out of control. And you, you, know, just, you burn breakfast, and you're late to work, and, and your boss is... Uh, chewing you out for something. One thing, least we've all had days like that where it's just like, ah, oh, this is this is awful. And, and in those moments, often we're prompted to turn to God because things are not going like we want them to go. Things are going badly, and maybe it's more serious than that. A phone call from the doctor, a broken relationship, a struggle with sin or addiction that prompts us to go to God. But he longs for us to be people who seek his face, no matter what. Whether things seem to be going well, whether things seem to be going poorly, whether I've got glaring needs, or whether my needs seem to be met, God wants us to come before him. The disciples saw Jesus talking to God, and they wanted what he had. And I am always astounded when I read about Jesus praying. Because he's Jesus. If there was anybody who could cop out of prayer, wouldn't it be Jesus? I mean, let's be honest here. He's God. He, he does things like walk on water and feed thousands of people with just a couple loaves of bread and some fish. He, he speaks wisdom. He, he rose from the dead, for goodness sake. And yet, Jesus 
prayed. We read things like, let me see if I can remember where I put it in my notes here, uh, passages of scripture where um, uh, it says uh, in, in Matthew 14, 23, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Uh, Luke 6, 12 says in these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. This is the heart of Jesus talking to his Father. And the great, the great news for Christians is that we can enter into that. We too can commune with the Heavenly Father. It's not just for Jesus. It's not just for pastors or priests. It's not just for super spiritual saints. It's for all of us who are God's children. We can come before him. And so Jesus gladly answers the request of his disciples when they say, Lord, teach us to pray. But before he goes into prayer, which, uh, to his prayer, which we'll look at uh, starting next week, he is, he is going to give them some, uh, some challenges, going to kind of start with some of the negative examples that are going on around them. Um, you see, the Jewish people had been favored by God's grace throughout history. No other people had a relationship with God like God's chosen people. And yet, they knew so little about how to relate to this God. They knew about this God, but they didn't know how to relate to this God. The Bible says it elsewhere like this. You draw near to me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. They knew more about prayer than anyone, but they did not know how to pray. So the first thing I want us to see this morning are the pitfalls of prayer. The pitfalls of prayer. Jesus is going to uh, give us a few examples as to some of the struggles that he observed uh, among the Jewish leaders. And so uh, turn back over to Matthew chapter 6, and this is where we'll, we'll spend the rest of our time. And before he gives them the prayer, he, he says in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 5 through 8, he says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. The first thing uh, that, uh, the first pitfall that Jesus mentions is, uh, letter A if you're taking notes, is that their prayers have become ritual. Their prayers have become ritual. The faithful Jew would repeat the Shema early in the morning and again at night. That prayer which began, you may be familiar with, from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then they often brought in several other passages and would pray that prayer morning and evening. In another formalized prayer called the Shamanai, 
Uh, it's, it's Hebrew for the 18, and it embodied 18 prayers for various occasions. And faithful Jews prayed all 18 prayers each morning, each morning, afternoon, and evening. And both the Shema and the Shamanai uh, were to be said every day, regardless of where you were at throughout the day. You were supposed to stop what you were doing at a prescribed time and pray these prayers. So whether you were at home, you're out working in the field, you're on a journey, maybe you're at the synagogue, or you're out visiting friends, at the appointed time, a devout Jew would stop what he was doing, drop everything, and pray through these prayers. And uh, uh, there were many who prayed, the, prayed these prayers with sincerity and devotion. But the problem was that many more only went through the motions. They were mouthing the words, but they weren't coming from their hearts. They were reading the prayers, or more likely saying them from memory, but they weren't talking to God. It was ritual, it was motion. And so often prayer can become like that for us, right? We, we just go through the motions of it. Maybe we do have a, a written prayer that we read through, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Those can be very, very helpful. I don't want to poo-poo to the uh, written prayers or prayer prompts. Those things can be very, very helpful in our prayer lives. But the problem becomes, and even we could do it with the Lord's Prayer, right? You can recite it and repeat it, but it's not coming from the heart. And so their prayers had become rituals. Secondly, their prayers had become a show. And when you pray, he says in verse 5, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Now, this is really hard for us to fathom in our culture. There's probably none of us who are battling with the temptation of going and standing in downtown Clare to say our early morning prayers out loud to be seen by others. We have pride tempt tempting us in other ways, and that's, but that's probably not one that's, that's getting a hold of us. But that was a real problem in Jesus' day. The hypocrites, and the, the word the word in the Greek originally was meant uh, and indicated a Greek actor who wore a mask and portrayed it in an exaggerated way. Um, it was dramatizing a role for, for uh, some sort of a play. Uh, but the, the term then became, for obvious reasons, to refer to someone who pretended to be something they were not, a pretender. Something that, that was uh, done for show, something that was done for others to see. And you know, hypocrites today, we can take different forms, right? There are some of us who are just, uh, we know how to deceive and we're doing it knowingly. But then there's others of us, and I think this is the true of the Pharisees in Jesus' day, where they were deceived themselves and they didn't really realize what they were doing. They were just kind of going through these motions. They were showing off. They were, it was just kind of part of who they were. And being a hypocrite had just become kind of an identity for them. That they really just, just were, had the blinders on and were oblivious to what they were doing. And Jesus calls them out because they loved to stand and pray on the street corners. They loved for people to see what they were doing. The Jewish people, as I mentioned, you, you, you stopped and prayed wherever you were during those times of prayers. And if you happened to be out in the street, you would just stop and take some time to pray right, right where you were. Well, the problem with the hypocrites is that they would make sure that they would time their prayer times so that they would just so happen to be out in public for everyone to see. 
And it's interesting that the word that's used for street corner here is not the same word that was used back up in uh, verse 2, talking about um, uh, the, the word streets in verse 2 kind of talks about a, a narrow alleyway, a more obscure roadway. But the word that's used here in verse 5 is speaking of like a main intersection. And so the hypocrites would find themselves at centers of bustling activity, and they would say, oh, it just so happens to be prayer time. And they would make a big display about calling out to God so that others could see their spirituality. Wow, can you believe how godly this person is? Look at them crying out to God. But Jesus said, you know, they've received their reward. Their reward is some applause from their, their friends and strangers passing by. That's, that's all they get. Because their prayers are certainly not reaching heaven. It's all out of ritual and show. Now, Jesus is not condemning all public prayer. I just want to add that as a footnote. When you get to the book of Acts, you see over and over and over believers gathering together to pray. That's why we pray in our church services. And I'd like to see us grow in our, in our corporate prayer gatherings where we're praying with one another, not just for one another. Jesus is not here condemning praying as a group or as a body. Acts 12, 12, you remember Peter was in prison and, uh, and they were praying for his release. And it says many were gathered together and they were praying. So Jesus is not condemning praying out loud or praying as a, as a body or as a group. He's, he's, pray, he's condemning people who go out in public and do it for a show, do it to be noticed. In fact, God longs for us to pray with one another. We've talked about that and we'll continue to talk about it. And for some of us, that's a real stretch. Uh, we might say, like, boy, I, I just I don't feel comfortable praying in a room with other people. Even if it's a small group of people, I don't feel comfortable for that. Um, I just want to challenge you, if that's, if that's your thinking. Read the book of Acts and prayerfully ask God to help you get over yourself. Ask God to help you Stop worrying about what other people think of your prayers. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't, maybe that's, that's the number one reason. Maybe it's, it's uh, some other fear. God's Word tells us. He's not giving us a spirit of fear. God longs for believers to gather together and pray. And I hope that you will join believers, whether it's here, here in, in, our, in our church building, praying in your discipleship community class, praying in a small group somewhere, Pray with other Christians. It's so crucial. Here Jesus is not, not speaking out against praying together, but praying to be seen by others. May that not be our heartbeat when we pray, to impress others with our words. Uh, the, third, the third problem that Jesus encountered with them is that their prayers had been filled with meaningless repetition. Verse 7 says that. He says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they'll be heard by their many words. Um, the, another translation says, don't babble like the Gentiles. There was this idea that by like ritual incantations and praying phrases over and over and over, the Gentiles could somehow gain more access to the ears of their gods. And what Jesus is saying is, don't bring in that pagan practice by thinking you can manipulate God by being over-repetitive. It is okay to pray for things 
more than once. What Jesus is saying is don't, don't get caught up in meaningless repetition, babble, nonsensical phrases that you're not, you're not even putting your heart into. Should we pray for requests more than once? You better believe it. If your child is sick and in the hospital and, and you say, God, help them to get better, are you going to say, well, Jesus said, don't pray repetitively, so one and done, we're good. No, you're crying out because you care about that little one and you're going you're gonna to go before God day and night. God, please heal my child. Please heal my child. That is not meaningless repetition. That is repetition that's coming from the heart of a child who's longing for their father's ear. And that's what Jesus longs for us to experience. Not meaningless repetition. The fourth thing that he condemned is that their prayers had become uh, too long. In verse 7, he says, uh, And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases, uh, for they think they'll be heard by their many words. Uh, that, that by just carrying on and on and on, they somehow, uh, their prayers will be more effective. Um, in Mark chapter 12, uh, verse 40, Jesus uh, also speaks to this. I think we have a, I have a slide for that. He says, the scribes devour widows' houses, and they say long prayers just for show. These will receive a harsher judgment. So again, it comes down to motive, doesn't it? It comes down to where our heart is. We already saw that Jesus would sometimes stay up all night praying. So long prayers are not necessarily bad. It's where your heart is. Are you just carrying on for other people to be impressed? Are you carrying on just because you're supposed to do it or because you've got long ritual written prayers that you're just trying to get through? Jesus said he wants our hearts when we come to him. He wants us to cry out to him. If that, if that means staying up all night, he doesn't condemn that. If that means praying for something over and over and over again, he doesn't condemn that. In fact, he actually calls us to. Remember the, the parable? I think it's in... Um, no, I'm going to forget where it is, but uh, I want to say Luke 15, where the, he talks about the persistent widow going before the judge, and she goes over and over and over again, and finally the judge is like, okay, fine, I'll hear your case, and, and he says, listen, the same way we should go before God over and over again, not like he's an annoyed judge who doesn't really want to hear us, but his point in the story is persistence, so God calls for all of these things, take time to pray through the night if need be, be persistent in your requests. But do so from the heart. The, the scribes and the Pharisees, they had, they had gotten into rituals, they had gotten into repetition, and, and they were not approaching God from the heart. Before we, we, we move on, I just want to say one final thought about the Pharisees. You know, I, I always kind of loved when I hear Jesus beating up on the Pharisees. I've always thought, some, I mean, some of those passages are really, really funny. He calls them like you know, whitewashed tombs. <laughs> And he's like, listen, you guys, he was talking about like tithing. You guys like, you guys strain at a gnat and you swallow a camel. For goodness sakes, you guys nitpick about the smallest things and you're just ignoring huge, big, important things. So Jesus like really would get after them. And, um, and I've always kind of, uh, I've always kind of, you know, found those passages a little bit enjoyable to read until I begin to realize that so often those passages are speaking to me. <laughs> He's speaking to the religious establishment. He's speaking to people who have been in church, so to speak, their whole life. They show up. They're faithful. They're good. They were good Christian people. They were the leaders, in fact. And those are the people that Jesus had the harshest words for. 
We need to remember um, so often we are present in, in the Pharisees. We've got a little Pharisee in all of us, some of us a lot of Pharisee. And it's interesting that Jesus never anywhere condemns Pharisees for their prayerlessness. Boy, did they pray. Probably the amount of time, if we knew the number of hours Pharisees prayed, we'd be put to shame. It was their heart that Jesus was going after and what he criticized them about. But as we move on from the concerns or the problems that Jesus had, the, the pitfalls of prayer, I just want to share in our last couple minutes about the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. Verse 5 and verse 7 both begin with a phrase, when you pray, and when you pray. Jesus is assuming that we take time to commune with Almighty God. Prayer is not, as I said before, it's not about a guilt trip. It's not about checking off an item on your daily to-do list. Prayer is the privilege of going before our mighty, loving, gracious, faithful, heavenly Father and pouring out our hearts to Him. Prayer was not just a message that Jesus preached. It was the life that He lived. And He invited us and still to this day invites all of us into this life. Come with me. Let's talk to the Father. I mentioned before the examples of Jesus praying. I think we've got a couple of slides of some verses. You can just scroll through those briefly. We read a couple of the verses, but in Mark 135, it says he rose very early in the morning while it was still dark, and he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus modeled it for his, his disciples, and then he taught about it here in Matthew chapter 6. Then finally, I want us to just be reminded of the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I said before that this text is not condemning corporate prayer. But I believe prayer needs to start right here. Of getting alone with our Father our Father who sees in secret and communing with Him. This is the essence of Christian prayer, to seek God. And I love the phrase here. At the end of, the, at the end of that verse, He says, And your Father who sees. You know, many of these religious people were praying in ways that were done so others would see them. So others would see and be impressed and applaud them. Put them on a pedestal. And he says that 
The only one who you need to care about looking is the Father. And He sees. And the more I thought about this phrase, the more I was comforted this week. You know that when we go before God, He sees you. I mean, he, he really, really, he sees you. When my kids were really little, uh, you know, one of the first games a toddler will learn, it seems like, is hide and seek. And uh, I remember when they were really, really little, you know, they'd hide and uh, it would be some awful hiding place. Um, you know, just very obvious, like, you know, horribly hidden. And, you know, you're, you're, as a parent, you're walking around, and you're pretending like you don't see them. Like, ooh, where's Caleb? I can't imagine where he would be. And you see him wiggling under the blanket, and, you know, appendages are sticking out, and he's giggling under there. And if you carry it on very long, what usually happens? They'll usually pull the blanket down, see if you're really in the same room, and if you're looking. And if, and if you carry it on too long, Okay, I'm talking about normal kids. Now, like if you had a, maybe you had that kid who had all kinds of crazier endurance and would like hide, you know, in the most obscure place in the basement and you had to call the cops and the whole neighborhood was looking for him. Okay, that, that, if you, had, if you were that kid or you had that kid, it ruins my sermon illustration. So take that kid out. I'm talking about the kid who's like, who's like peeking from behind the blanket and, and eventually if you carry it on too long, they're like, I'm right here, Daddy. Because with hide and seek, they don't want to be lost. They want to be found. They want their parents to see them. And your Heavenly Father, when you go before Him in prayer, He sees you. I don't know this morning what your prayer life is like. But I have to imagine there's some of us who pray and we're like, there's no way He's got the time. There's no way he's got the time. If you've ever watched the movie Bruce Almighty, maybe you imagine God like that, just hitting the key a bunch of times. Yes, 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 fine. No, yes, yes, no, yes, yes. God sees us. When I go before him, unless I'm harboring sin, unless... Unless I'm, I'm praying like the Pharisees with hidden motives. When I go before him, and I say, Father, his reply is, Jeremiah, I'm here. Our Heavenly Father sees and hears you. Scriptures tell us elsewhere things that he knows the, the, the number of the hairs on our head and he knows us, it's like Jeff read from Psalm 139. He's made us and he knows us inside and out. And the, the great privilege you have this morning because of the, what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, because he has reconciled you and the Father, if you've come to him in faith and repented of your sins, and trust in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, the Bible says that you can come near to him. He knows you and he hears you. The 
One commentator pointed out that the Greek word used for room here in Matthew 6, 6 was a storeroom where treasures would be kept. And it's possible the implication of Jesus' words are that, listen, when you come near to the Father, He has treasures waiting for you that He longs for you to partake of. The richness of His presence, the fullness of His glory, to have the light of His face upon us. He longs to refresh your soul and satisfy your hunger and quench your thirst. We can come to the Father, the Father who sees. My question for you this morning is, do you believe that God sees you? Do you really believe that? Or do you somehow think that you're not important enough, you've messed up too much in the past, God's too busy, Or do you believe that your Heavenly Father truly sees you? And my next question is, what's keeping you from seeking Him? In Psalm 27, David prays, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And in Psalm 105, we're told to seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Let us be people who long to come near to the heart of God. Confident that he sees us. And longing to see his face. May our request be this week and for the rest of our lives, just like the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Let's do that right now. <laughs> Heavenly Father, my prayer is that you would fan into flame a longing within each of our hearts to draw near to you. That we may not do so with hypocrisy, Pharisees. May we not do so out of ritual or with meaningless repetition. But may we come with full assurance that if, if we're your children, you see us. You know our name. You care about the burdens that are weighing us down. Our Heavenly Father, we long to seek your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.